Hello, hello. This is Katavani. Welcome back to this episode of Ramayana, Ayodhya Khanda, episode 17, A Bereft Couple. Once again, thank you for listening. A quick recap. Ayodhya's Prince Rama heard from Queen Kaikeyi her demands to cancel his coronation and installing Prince Bharata instead as the heir to the throne of Kosala Kingdom. In addition, the queen wanted Rama to live in exile in the Dandaka forest for 14 years. Prince Rama, unflappable as usual, agreed to all these demands. To him, carrying out his father's words was his foremost duty, dharma. Rama informed his birth mother, Queen Kausalya, asking her consent for him to leave Ayodhya. He patiently listened to his aggrieved mother who refused to approve his departure. He finally persuaded her with gentle words about his duty to his father to uphold the truth in the footsteps of his illustrious ancestors. He then heard his beloved brother Lakshmana's enraged words, unfazed and gently cajoled Lakshmana as well to rein in his anger and bring his mind under his control so that he could accept Rama's decision as the only righteous path in this situation. With Kausalya's permission and Lakshmana's acceptance of his decision to quit Ayodhya, Rama then informed his dearest wife Sita about his decision. He calmly advised her about her life and duties in Ayodhya in his absence, as well as reassuring her about his return after 14 years. We start this episode with Sita, who waited for Rama to finish speaking and then firmly retorted, Aryaputra, noble prince, if I were to say these same words to you, you'd ridicule me. A command to you is a command to me. I vow to share your fortunes as well as your misfortunes. I have been instructed by my parents about my duties in all stages of life and I don't need to be reminded by you now. My duty is towards you, my husband, and I will live in the forest with you, just as comfortably and with discipline as I did in my father's home. I shall go into the impenetrable forest with you, however impassable and dangerous the journey would be. I will not create great difficulties for you. I will support you living a celibate life and subsisting on fruits and roots just like you would. I promise to observe all my duties, be fearless, take pleasure in all the daily activities. I look forward to enjoying the lakes, mountains, birds and the wilderness with you. Without you, I cannot even imagine a life here and I have no desire even for heaven without you. Please bring me with you without any hesitation. Rama persisted in dissuading Sita, telling her about the hardships of living in the forest day and night, describing to her the frightful sounds of lions and other wild animals, crocodile-infested muddy rivers that would be too treacherous to cross, the ordeals of finding drinking water, edible fruits and roots, coping with hunger, and the sheer exhaustion of making one's way through thick brush, while treading on thorny forest floors. He reminded her that despite all the suffering, living as an ascetic, one still had to follow their duties to God's ancestors as prescribed in the scriptures. He recalled 
how one is exposed to the elements, wind, heat, cold and rain, having to sleep on rough and rocky terrain. And if one is fortunate, there is grassy ground, but always surrounded by wild animals, predatory birds, terrible reptiles, poisonous snakes, insects, gnats, scorpions and mosquitoes. Reflecting on all these immense difficulties of living as an ascetic in the forest, Rama maintained it would not be suitable for Sita. He asserted repeatedly that it would make him happier if Sita followed her duties from the relative comforts of the palace here in Ayodhya. Sita listened with tears streaming down her cheeks, saddened by Rama's resolution to leave her behind. She replied that she understood living in the forest would not be easy, especially if one was mentally and physically unprepared for it. She said, Forest though you and me, who regularly exercise control over body, senses and mind, these hardships will not be daunting. Your mere presence would keep away evil forces and other dangers. And she revealed a prophecy that a significant portion of her life would be spent living in the forest, as one was, and that this prophecy had been repeated on many occasions and independently too by enlightened visitors, learned Brahmins, Palmists, astrologers, and even a female seer, a sadhu, when they visited her father Rajarishi Janaka's house. She continued that Vanavas with Ram by her side and supported by his affection would be so much less overwhelming than enduring those hardships and fierce austerities, living alone in the forest. She reiterated that she would share in his adversity just as willingly as his prosperity, since it was her duty and marital vow with the sacred fire Agni as witness. Sita unequivocally told Rama that if she was left behind, She'd be left no choice but to end her life, to keep her vow and make her father's words at the time of their wedding be true. She pledged her devotion, loyalty and service to Rama and his dharma and tearfully embraced Rama, unable to bear the grief of the moment, convinced she wouldn't be able to bear the 14 years separation. Rama returned her embrace with affection and spoke kindly to reassure Sita. Janaki, I agree to go to the forest away from you, not because of a desire to live in the forest, but to uphold my father's words. Obedience to parents and teachers who are visible in this world is more supreme than worship of the unseeable God. Service to parents, fulfilling their wishes, is the true path for reaching the other worlds of gods. And pleasing our parents is better than rituals and sacrifices to please the gods. Therefore, it is clear to me that I need to fulfill my father's command and live as an ascetic in the forest. Indeed, it gives me no pain to carry out my father's wishes. I am unable to decide whether it is the right path for you. You, though, are determined to be with me and you understand the hardships of living austerely in the forest. So, I respect your resolution to accompany me despite the difficulties of living in the forest. Your decision befits you, your parents, and it pleases me. Without you, even heaven would not appeal to me. Dearest Sita, 
Please assist me in carrying out my duties in the forest. Sita was delighted that Rama accepted her decision to join him during the 14 years long exile. Together, Rama and Sita started their preparations to depart. Soon after, Lakshmana approached Rama, informing him about his decision to accompany Rama to the forest. Rama, moved by Lakshmana's love and devotion, nevertheless dissuaded Lakshmana, pointing out that his mother Sumitra would be needlessly bereft, that their mothers and father would be devastated if all of them left Ayodhya that day. He added that now more than earlier with Sita joining him, he would need to depend on Lakshmana to support Kausalya in his absence. He pointed out, that their brother Bharata, after securing the kingdom, may cast aside their mothers. He insisted that by staying back to service their parents, Lakshmana would satisfy his dharma and also demonstrate his affection and his devotion for Rama. This time, a calm Lakshmana responded that Bharata, who was well aware of Rama's strength, would respect the queens Kausalya and Sumitra with humility. Lakshmana added that the illustrious queen Kausalya with 1,000 villages allocated for her sustenance and with her competence and organization could support herself, his mother Sumitra, and also provide for 1,000 men like Lakshmana to protect and serve her. He pleaded with Rama with tears in his eyes that he'd rather accompany and serve Rama and Sita. He insisted he'd be a helpful attendant in the forest going ahead of them to clear their path, collecting fruits and roots, finding water, carrying their weapons and food basket, being their guard, setting up for camp, etc. Lakshmana was determined to follow Rama to the forest and was unwilling to remain in the palace while Rama and Sita lived like ascetics in the forest. Rama embraced Lakshmana, who he regarded as both a brother and an inseparable friend, and asked him to bid farewell to his own bandhus, friends and relatives, and prepare to leave right away. He also bid Lakshmana to collect the celestial weapons, two swords, two bows, two quivers of inexhaustible arrows given to his father-in-law, King Janaka, by Varuna, the god of rain. These weapons were housed and worshipped in sage Vasishta's custody. Lakshmana completed these activities and returned to Rama's palace with the weapons. Meanwhile, Rama and Sita joyously and immediately gave away all their belongings as the news of their exile and charity spread. The poor Brahmins, well-versed in Vedas, who'd gathered in Ayodhya for the coronation, accepted their generosity and conferred blessings on Rama, Sita and Lakshmana. Rama also generously bequeathed their wealth, silk, gold, gems, cattle, and other items in abundance to the maids, attendants, and other palace workers. With Lakshmana accompanying them, Rama and Sita, with only the clothes on their backs, walked to the palace to take leave of King Dasharatha. The streets of Ayodhya were still filled with the crowds who'd gathered joyously for a coronation, but were now tearfully witnessing its favorite prince Rama and Sita, the princess of Videha, banished to the forest. The exuberant cheers from earlier in the day were now replaced by laments and wails, whispered complaints about the king and queen Kaikeyi. 
Rama, Sita and Lakshmana walked the streets unruffled and calm and reached the palace. Sumatra, the wise minister, informed King Dasharatha and they were immediately granted audience with King Dasharatha. The king, emaciated and distraught, surrounded by his queens and close advisers, embraced Rama and Lakshmana. Rama respectfully greeted his father, bowing deeply with folded hands and requested his permission to leave for the Dandaka forest with Sita and Lakshmana. The grieving king, who had been harboring notions of Rama forcefully taking over the kingdom, now explicitly expressed it to Rama. I was deluded when I granted Queen Kaikeyi the boons without understanding her evil nature hidden behind the smokescreen of her beauty, naivety and affection. Imprison me, Rama, and take over this kingdom. Rama reassured his father that he was never attached to the kingdom or the vast powers of the throne. He maintained that it was unnecessary for the king to deviate from truth on his account. He wished the king many hundred years more of ruling the kingdom and that he, Rama, would seek the king's blessing the moment the exile was over. The king tearfully asked Rama to delay his departure by a day. He told Rama that he had no role in Kaikeyi's deception. Rama comforted his father that he desired nothing, no kingdom, power or pleasure, and had already renounced his claim on the kingdom that should be conferred on his beloved brother Bharata. He soothed his father, describing the natural splendors of the forest, the mountains, rivers, lakes, sing-song birds, peaceful deer, and how they'd enjoy these peaceful scenery. He reminded his father about his duty to uphold his promise to Kaikeyi to leave that same day. Dasharatha's minister, Sumatran Siddhartha, attempted to counsel Queen Kaikeyi to return to her good senses, warning her that her legacy would be all about her evil machinations and deplorable behavior, banishing an innocent prince and his young prince's bride to the dark, impenetrable forest. They cautioned her about the disgrace to the Ikshvaku clan and the kingdom. Sumatra angrily lamented how Kaikeyi was turning out to be like her own mother who was banished by her father, the king of Kekaya, for her careless selfishness and disregard for his life. He narrated this incident where Ashwapati, the king of Kekaya, who was blessed with knowing what animals spoke, laughed aloud, watching an ant and bird converse. Kaikeyi's mother asked for the reason for his laughter, and her husband, the king, responded that he'd die as soon as he disclosed these conversations he, he'd overheard between the animals to another human. The queen carelessly replied, If you don't tell me the true reason whether you live or die, I think you are laughing at me. The king of Kekaya, stunned by his queen's casual disregard and wickedness, immediately removed her from his presence and his kingdom. Kaikeyi listened to this and remained unmoved. Without heeding any advice to save herself from certain censure that would follow then and in the future, Dasharatha, sighing heavily, instructed Sumatra to send a well-provisioned division of the army 
to escort and maintain a comfortable life for the royal children in the forest for 14 years. Kaikeyi grew pale with fear at the thought of an army with Rama and refuted this request, saying, Bharata, my son, will not take charge of a kingdom abandoned by men, drained of wealth, and incapable of being enjoined, like wine with its essence evaporated. Dasharatha, once again, dazed by her complete disregard for his wise counsellor's advice, contempt for his own words, disowned her again. He made ready to leave with Rama. Rama intervened, addressing his father that he'd need no followers or attendants in the simple life he'd planned ahead after renouncing pleasure, power and other attachments in favour of an ascetic life. Father, what use is a rope after giving away the best of elephants? I do not need an army when I've given up everything else for Bharata. All I need are clothes, weaved from bark, a basket and a crowbar to dig for roots. Kaikeyi readily provided these to Rama, Lakshmana and Sita. Rama and Lakshmana, without hesitation, replaced their clothes with the bark raiment. Sita, the princess of Videha, looked embarrassed since she didn't know how to drape these bark robes worn by ascetics. Rama, seeing her confusion, stepped closer to her and gently showed her how to drape it on top of her clothes. The people gathered were shocked to see the daughter-in-law of the royal family, daughter of Rajarishi Janaka, dressed in the coarse robes of ascetics and cried out for Rama to leave Sita behind to live in the palace. Sage Vasishta, moved by the sight of a young Sita in ascetic clothing, ready to abandon the comforts of the palace, spoke up in Sita's favour that Kaiki's cruel demands for Rama's exile didn't include Sita. He chastised Kaikeyi, calling out her evil motives, deception and disgraceful behaviour. He predicted that Bharata and Shatrugna were devoted to Rama and as descendants of the Ikshvaku dynasty and followers of its traditions, they too would serve Rama in the forest rather than sit on Ayodhya's throne. He said to Kaikeyi, her comeuppance was forthcoming. Queen, Bharata will not rule this kingdom that has not been wholeheartedly bestowed to him, nor will he live like a son to you due to your vile behavior intent on causing harm to others. There is none that will not forsake this kingdom to follow Rama into the forest. You will languish dejected and deserted without a husband, son or friends. Sita is not subject to your demands to live an ascetic's life and leaves by her own free will to face adversity with her husband. Kaikeyi showed no remorse or embarrassment despite being reprimanded by the chief guru. The outcome she desired was almost at hand. Dasaratha, resigned to Rama's imminent departure, asked an attendant to fetch silk clothes and gold ornaments for Sita for the length of their stay in the forest. He requested his minister Sumatra to fetch a suitable chariot and escort the trio to the forest so they could start their exile without delay. He tearfully blessed Rama, Sita and Lakshmana. 
Rama, with folded hands, requested his father to send for Bharata and to be attentive to his mother Kausalya, who would be bereft and heartbroken after his departure. Kausalya embraced Rama, Sita and Lakshmana. She was filled with pride and grief that Sita was willingly accompanying Rama into the forest. Rama, Sita and Lakshmana then embraced and sought Queen Sumitra's blessings as well. The wise Queen Sumitra affectionately blessed them all and advised Lakshmana to be attentive and serve Rama and Sita at all times. She added, Regard Rama as Dasaratha, Sita as me, and the forest as Ayodhya. Go in peace, my son. Rama took leave of all those gathered there with grace, serenity, and confidence. The trio mounted the chariot Sumatra had brought up to them. As they drove away, King Dasharatha and Queen Kausalya started following the chariot on foot until they were restrained. Rama bid Sumatra to drive away fast to spare anyone the pain of an extended departure. The citizens of Ayodhya besieged Sumatra to drive slowly so they could see their beloved Rama and Princess, Princess Sita a little longer, uncertain if they'd ever see them again. Rama again requested Sumatra to ignore the citizens' requests as well as the dejected king's feeble voice ordering the chariot to stop. The chariot continued moving ahead, past the anguished cries of, O Rama, and stop. Some determined people ran, rode, or walked behind the chariot on the highway. The devastated king fell to the ground as he lost sight of Rama moving away on the chariot. Rama's distraught mother Kausalya, who had also run further along behind the chariot, helped the king before attendants reached him. As Kaikeyi approached to support him, the king renounced Kaikeyi, severing their marriage and relationship and disowning their descendants. He asked the attendants to take him to Rama's mother, Queen Kausalya's chambers, the only place he declared he could find peace before his end came. That night, the king cried out, Rama, you've forsaken me. And then to Kausalya, who sat next to him, he informed that his sight that followed Rama had still not returned, that he was blind and asked for her solace, for the solace of her hand in his. The anguished couple spent the night sitting by each other, hand in hand, brooding over Rama's plight. This mighty king Dasharatha, just a day before, had planned his son's coronation and overseen the preparations joyously. Now he lay gutted and despondent after seeing the last of his beloved sons and daughter-in-law. In the next episode, we will see how those left behind and how this group of travelers cope as they start the 14 years of separation in exile. Ram Ram, thank you for listening.